You're listening to the DGD Podcast. Sponsored by La Touraine. Here's your hosts, Robert Reynolds and Juan Daniels. Welcome back to the DGD Podcast. As always, the NCDGD himself, Robert Reynolds. Today we're going a little bit off topic here. We're going to be covering some Gamecock football. And with me, none other than the infamous Mike Yuva. And I said that right. He has to announce it on his Twitter. Got to love it. But look, he's more than just a Gamecock insider, guys. He's a he's a Bojangles fiend like myself. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, the Yuva. If you're not familiar with it, stick around. You'll understand. And we're going to talk some Gamecock football, recruiting. Look, there's a lot of things here that if, you're with, if you've been with us for – you know, the entirety of the pro the show, you understand last year we had Chris from the Spurs Up show. Shout out, Chris. Uh, and, you know, he mentioned some things about South Carolina that caught a lot of people off guard. But if you were with us, you would understand that you were not caught off guard and you were expecting this. So I'm looking forward to talking with Mike and picking his brain uh, about the Gamecocks and all the offseason hype. Uh, none other, though, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Mike, welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. So obviously, before we get started talking food and talking Gamecock football, just let you know, guys, join our Discord today, discord.gg forward slash Bones Brigade. All teams are welcome. Gamecocks, if you're listening, feel free to join. And also feel free to join our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash DGD podcast. Show is also, also brought to you by La Terrain. Use code DGD at checkout. Get 10% off your purchase site wide. All right, now it's bow time. All right. <laughs> Mike, first off, me and you've talked about this offline, right? Both Bojangles fiends. I think you even had, at one point, if I'm not mistaken, social media, right? Having to tell Spencer Rattler, which we're going to talk a little bit about, going to talk about his starter, you know, starter option for Bojangles. Mm-hmm. All right, you're you're sponsored by them, I believe. That is I correct. Look, I'm telling you right now, but if you, I'm sorry if you've never had Bojangles, guys. You, I promise you, you're living under a rock and you need to get Bojangles around you. And so, did he take that advice to heart, though? I got to ask, though. We'll have to wait and that? see. We'll have to wait and see. And, and you know, for, for those of your uh, listeners that are, uh, are hearing me, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Yankee. Uh, I grew up in Boston, so I didn't even know what the heck Bojangles was probably until like six years ago. I mean, I've been living in the South now for seven. First job in TV was in little old Greenville, Mississippi, for our listeners that know where the Delta is. So uh, complete culture shock going from right outside of Boston, going down to uh, to Greenville, Mississippi, going right into SEC country, covering Dak Prescott's senior year and Swag Kelly and Ole Miss going to the Sugar Bowl. But, shoot, I got here in 2016. I didn't know what the heck Bojangles was. And um, the more and more I learned about it, the more I wanted to check it out. And then, uh, fortunately, the be- – the- this mistake, the great mistake of them uh, screwing up my order uh, turned into be a moment that I'll probably years from now kind of be like my Al Bundy moment. You know, I'll be telling people like, yeah, you know, I had a biscuit named after me at Bojangles there. And like, all right, pal, you know, good for you. Kind of like, you know, Al scoring those four touchdowns in that state championship game at Poke High. So that, that's what I it feels that like reference. for me. I love it. That's what it feels like, you know. No, so so obviously if you're not familiar, I called it here earlier. Uh, it's called the, uh, the Uva. Sorry. If I'm not mistaken, walk me through it, but it's a Cajun filet biscuit. Correct. With pimento cheese on a bowberry biscuit. I know. And some people listening to you are probably going to be like, that sounds absolutely disgusting. Like, look, I, I ordered it, the, the Cajun filet with pimento cheese on it, and they accidentally put it on a bowberry biscuit. And 
you know, I'm the type of guy, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I mean, I like to, I like to bust balls. I like to have fun. We like to break stories, but we like to have fun. We like to keep things lighthearted, but you know, my biggest thing is, you know, I like being able to, to, to dish it out. You got to be able to take it too. So we like to have fun. Some people are a little bit more sensitive than others, but then again, that's the world we live in today. But no, you're point, absolutely right. point being is, uh, yeah, I tweeted it out. I said, this is a wild combination. And the crazy thing is for me at that point, this happened a year ago, shoot, maybe two or three months late earlier. Um, I broke the biggest story of my life. Uh, I broke the, uh, the news that Will Muschamp had been fired. So I had more Twitter interactions, Twitter followers than I've ever had before. So there was more <laughs> eyeballs uh, on my Twitter page. And because of that, People went out, started ordering this crazy concoction. And the next thing you know, a couple of days later, I mean, I mean, the lines in Columbia, I kid you not, were wrapped around the Bojang, especially <laughs> the one next to Williams Bryce, right next to the football stadium. It was insane. And it got to a point where I think in the first two or three weeks, I mean, 11 different states had ordered the Yuva. Um, nice. So Bojangles named it to their, uh, to their unofficial menu. They actually, the funniest part about it all, and I can just, it makes me laugh. Just the idea of someone going out and they have a really nice photo. I think I was telling you behind me, you can kind of see it. They had these posters all over South Carolina. I think I got 30 or 40 restaurants. The fact that someone actually went out there and did a photo shoot with this thing uh, just makes me laugh. And we had commercials about it. Um, it was just really neat. It was really neat because, like I said, for a guy that didn't even know what the heck Bojangles was until, I don't know, five, six years ago to be – being sponsored now by them, um, having commercials, you know, having a poster outside of the, I mean, it's just funny. Um, but it's, it's been really neat. They're, they're awesome people. We've been able to actually do a lot of good for the community too, with being able to, to feed underprivileged students. And it's just, it's been, it's been good. It's been a good partnership. But the point being is, you know, it's one of those moments that I look back at. I'm like, I could have been, you know, I could have been a, a, a jerk about it and complain. But yeah. it's like, no, you're having fun. And the next thing, you know, uh, Gamecock Twitter ran with it, and uh, it became a thing. And multiple states kept ordering it throughout history the history writes itself at that point. Absolutely. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a line by the infamous Bane. You know, you were you adopted it. I was born in it. Um, <laughs> you know, look, I, I grew up eating, but basically just biscuits all the time when I went to Bojangles. And when I was in college, I went to UNCG, and the Cajun fillet biscuit grew on me, but with egg and cheese. Yep. In the meantime. What I've learned is you can throw a piece of sausage on it, and you talk about the combination of flavors on that. Surprisingly mm -hmm. good. But I think, you know, you talk about bowberry biscuits, and this reminded me too. I, I don't think there's anything sweet and savory like a bowberry biscuit with a piece of sausage in between of it. Look, if, if you're if you're a beginner at Bojangles, I suggest you get your feet wet before you hop into this menu. But there's a lot to learn about it. So, Spencer, if you're listening to this, start with Supremes. Focus on maybe bacon, egg, and cheese, and then work your way into the Yuva. Stuff like that. Promise it works. But enough about this, right? We could, we could talk both time all day. Let's talk Gamecock football. Mm -hmm. Tadil says, hey, y'all go dogs. Welcome to the Brigade. As always, if you're a Gamecock fan, you are a part of the Bones Brigade today. Just letting y'all know. Uh, Bones Brigade is our live chat. First question here. Biggest Biggest news of the – the offseason for uh, South Carolina, um, you know, Spencer Rattler. What's the what's the what's the vibe? What's the feel around uh, Gamecock football with that? And you also got what tight end Stogner, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's Austin the Stogner. overall feel and vibe about that? 
I think what it's doing more than anything, it's just bringing that buzz. It's bringing that excitement. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's a tricky place to be, you know, especially being on this podcast. It, it's, you know, what Georgia was able to do this year is just absolutely tremendous. And you have to give a lot of credit to Kirby Smart and just that coaching staff of really being able to, to bring guys in from a recruiting standpoint and being able to develop them. Right. Well, what we're going to see is, and especially with South Carolina, they're doing things a little bit different. They're going to go through the transfer portal, but that's something we're going to continue to see, not just at South Carolina. We're going to probably see it at Georgia. We're going to see it at other schools. And that's not to say, like, uh, it's not a slight uh, of anything. I mean, if anything, that, that, that's a testament of what you're doing from a program standpoint, that people want to come to your school when they take that second opportunity to go through the recruiting process. So I say that because I feel like just some people, when they hear, oh, you know, transfer portal, oh, we're too good to do that. You know, I know that Clemson for a while, they felt that way. Oh, we don't have to go through. Well, that's just the reality that we're in right now. And if you're, Absolutely. if you don't want to adapt, just like anything in your life, you're going to be left behind. So uh, Georgia obviously is in a, a, a more stable situation, I'd say than South Carolina was going into the off season. And of course they were able to win a national championship and that will give them some momentum heading into this year. And you're, from a Georgia standpoint, you hope that will be able to carry some momentum moving forward. But for South Carolina, what it allows, especially for a guy like Shane Beamer, most coaches come in and it's just like, all right, you know, it's going to take maybe three years, right, to be able to get your own players in there and to get things kind of turned around. This this allows you to be able to compete a little bit quicker. And I think in the world of college football and college athletics, for, for that matter, you need to be able to win now. I, that, I just think that's just the reality of it. Boosters, athletic directors, presidents, fans, I think the patience level – is so much thinner now than it's ever been before. So if you have the opportunity to take advantage of the transfer portal, bring guys in there that you feel like can make an impact right away, number one, that's going to be able to help your program. But number two, it's going to be able to put yourself in a situation where you don't hopefully have to wait two years, three years, even four years, depending on the situation that you're in. Um, so I, I think more than anything, you know, look, it's crazy how much one game can change everything. The buzz potentially the transfers that South Carolina has acquired this offseason, if they had lost to Vanderbilt, if the grad assistant that, that came on in, Zeb Nolan, played Colonel quarterback, Zeb. if he does not lead Van, I mean South Carolina down the field against Vanderbilt, South Carolina ends the season at 5-7, and seven, and that last taste in their mouths is a 30 to nothing loss against Clemson. Well, they were able to win that game. They go 6-6. Six and six. They're able to uh, head to their first bowl game in a couple seasons, and they're able to, to beat North Carolina. And you're able to get that momentum, and now you head into this year at 7-6. and six. You have arguably one of the biggest free agent, if you want to call it that, free agent accusation. Uh, um, acquire one of the biggest free agents yeah. with Spencer Rattler. And you look at some of the other players they have as well. It gives that buzz. And I've been here since 2016. You talk to people that have been around this program. I mean, shoot, I had to talk with Marcus Lattimore. I mean, the buzz right now, it has not felt this way in a long, long time. And that's not to say the standard right now, or that buzz is the same as Georgia, right? The expectations, the bar different right now. But the point being is the program is heading in the right direction. And to, to, to be in the situation that they're in, compared to where they were at a year ago after coming off two seasons where they had a combined six wins in those two years, it definitely makes a lot of these Gamecock fans and the team feel good heading into this new season. No doubt about it. I mean, you look at – and, and me and Chris talked about this last offseason, right? We did a score – you know, a, a record prediction, and we both had called it six and six. Now, that six and six in the regular season came in a different way that we both expected. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, 
you know, six and six for first year with Shane Beamer, it, that's massive considering where you were uh, with Will, right? When you let, when Will was fired and everything like that, which leads me to a comment here. You know, obviously uh, Will leaves, you know, gets fired, everything like that, and then comes to Georgia as an analyst. Yeah, and look, from a Georgia perspective, we're glad to have him back in that role. Uh, you know, look, I love Will Muschamp as well. I, I love him, but he's not a head coach. He's just not good elite play caller, just not a head coach. And, and I think you saw that, you know, at Florida. You saw that at South Carolina. <clears throat> but he definitely built relationships. Tying that in, though, you look at Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer is a coach's guy. He builds those relationships, strong, strong relationships. And for them to go, for, you know, for South Carolina to go six and six, you know, that that is a huge upgrade and, and a very, very good start to that era. You know, looking forward to this year, now you sit there, you get – what arguably the highest quarterback ever in, you know, per ranking standpoint, right. With Spencer Rattler, you know, he gets uh Stogner. And I think that comes back to his ties at Oklahoma, but nonetheless, look, you, like you said, you got to adapt and, and what a, what a better way to do it than getting one of the best transfer quarterbacks this all season. Um, so that was huge, uh, which obviously is going to make the Georgia game a little bit more, I wouldn't say confusing. It would definitely make it more entertaining. All right, we look at what, like you said, Georgia was just on a different level and, you know, all the way through the regular season, obviously winning the national title. And even the guys that left, if you paid attention to the combine, you understand what was going on. Like, it just, I don't know if Georgia, I do think Georgia would do it, but the, the level of talent compared to everybody else, Georgia is just on a completely different platform. Uh, and that's no knock to, you know, that's no knock to South Carolina at all. That's definitely you know, I would say for them to, you know, to be six and six, that's a huge, huge start, right? You mm-hmm. can't base your, you can't base your season off of playing in Georgia. You just can't do that. You'd be crazy to see that. But, you know, my thoughts from a third party standpoint, I think the, the hype and the, uh, you know, the, the buzz, I think it's legit. And I think it's warranted um, looking at what, you know, what you bring back, right? Like everybody remembers, it needs to remember this. Shane Beamer went six, well, seven and six total mm-hmm. with, with really a Muschamp, a Muschamp uh, roster. And it wasn't mm-hmm. even that great. It was depleted as hell. Give him some time. I'm telling you now, South Carolina could be, I would say, fighting for a top three spot if you're not careful, right? I, I think, you know, looking around the SEC, Florida's down and, and we'll see what happens with Napier. The verdict's out there. Uh, definitely can't sleep on Kentucky. Right, like, but South Carolina is one of those teams, especially if they can get the most out of Rattler. I think you could definitely see that seven and six final, especially that win in the bowl game, though. Especially against North Carolina, that's a momentum changer for the next season, this upcoming season. That's a big deal. It's a big, big deal, you know. Which will transition over here, week three. I have a feeling it's going to be a night game. <laughs> what will it, will he be? It's kind of a tough place to play. You know, we'll see what happens, obviously. What are your thoughts on that game? I, like, I know we talked a little bit. I, like, it can make sense for it to be a, you know, a game day type feel, depending on – I don't I have to look around the NCAA, but that environment, if, if things go as well in the first two weeks, you could honestly see a nighttime game. Will he be – look, I don't care what anybody says. Sandstorm, it can get annoying to you, <laughs> but it's effective. And the white towels, it's effective. You know, obviously, even with Muschamp there, things like that, 
I picture Spurrier, Willie B. Spurrier days. That play, you did not, you did not want to go there and play. Like it was just one of those things where like, you didn't know what the hell was going to happen. You could ruin your season easy, right? What are your expectations for for that game in particular? What are you looking to see when Georgia and South Carolina play week three? Because that opens up the SEC conference play for both teams as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're South Carolina, I mean, that, I mean, you could say this any year um, about any team in the SEC, but I mean, it's a gauntlet of a beginning of the season schedule. I mean, you have a non-Power 5 team that you're playing the week in week one, but then the next two games you're playing at Arkansas, then you got to play home against the defending national champs with the Bulldogs coming into town. So I think if you're South Carolina more than anything, I mean, look, I'm not trying to to sell them short, but I mean, there could be a strong possibility that they start the year one and one and two. Um, and yet still be able to have an opportunity to finish with seven or even, dare I say it, eight wins in the regular season, depending on how things go. Because when you look at the offense, from a skill standpoint, they have so much talent this year. They really do. Um, the biggest question mark is going to be something that they have struggled with, it feels like, since I've been down here in 2016 covering the team, which is what are you going to get from the offensive line? But I've said this for a long period of time, Going back uh, to December when Spencer Rattler transferred into South Carolina, the beauty about Rattler is he's kind of like makeup. You know, he can cover up a lot of blemishes that this offense has. So you don't need to have, you know, all Americans across the board in the offensive line. Does that help? Certainly. You don't need to have all Americans at wide receiver or running back. But the thing that South Carolina does have is they have a quarterback that has a great arm. He's a great arm. He's a great quarterback. You know, and I, I think there's a lot of people – that get caught up with the headlines and they see, okay, Spencer Rattler got benched at Oklahoma. Well, I mean, if anyone had followed Caleb Williams coming out of high school, I mean, they were anointing him kind of as the next big thing. Um, and obviously we'll, we'll wait and see how things play out for him as he transferred out from Oklahoma. But the point being is you have a very talented guy coming in there and you know, that's what happens in life. I mean, we've seen it happen in college football. This isn't like the first time. But I think the fact that, you know, going into the season, you have, you know, Rattler, you know, as a guy that was on that short list of, you know, Heisman uh, favorites going into the season. And it's easy to look at that headline, but he's still a hell of a quarterback. He's still a guy that went out there and and earned uh, plenty of awards his freshman year in that conference. So I, I think when you have a guy like that coming in here, number one, he's got talent. But number two, he has a chip on his shoulder, which is the size of goodness. I mean, you you, you pick something, right? I mean, it, it is freaking huge. So um, I, 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 what I'm more interested more than anything is what is this offense going to look like? Because with the injuries, I mean, South Carolina started four different quarterbacks last year. I mean, think about that. Four different it's quarterbacks. Crazy, four different, to think that. crazy to think four, that. You know, uh, and four different quarterbacks won games. I mean, that is insane stat. So, um what does this offense look like with second-year offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield? Does the offensive line, can it make those adjustments? Because you have everyone coming back. So, you know, Gamecock fans are like, oh, who are we going to bring in from the transfer portal from the offensive line? Well, that's not always the easiest fix. Sometimes the easiest fix is just to look at, okay, what did we have last year? What can we do to correct it? And now that you have them all coming back, that rapport is strong. I mean, there's no other position on the field that you need everyone to be in sync quite like the offensive line. So the fact you have all those guys coming back, they understand what that offensive scheme looked like last year. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that 
you had a dual threat quarterback get hurt the second week of training camp. And now you have to move things around. You don't have that mobility at quarterback that you thought you were going to have. And, you know, it's obviously the, it starts with the coaching staff to be able to make those adjustments. Um, but I think with South Carolina, they were put behind the eight ball to begin with. And I think they were able to figure things out as the season went on. Um, but I feel like just going into this season, what we saw from an offensive standpoint, it might be the complete opposite. I mean, they start spring football up in eight days um, on the 15th of March, and then the spring game is going to be on April 16th. Who knows how much we'll actually see during that spring game. But True. the point being is I would not be shocked to see South Carolina come out and try to spread it out a little bit because they do have those weapons now. Now, weapons that need to prove themselves in the SEC. But, I mean, you have uh, Antoine Wells coming in from James Madison. One of the yeah. top FCS receivers. I mean, I, I had an opportunity to talk to James Madison. If if you're not familiar, James Madison, <laughs> I think won a champion FCS championship last year. They're one of the they're one of the best FCS programs, um, and they've been consistent. He goes out there and he sets the record for receiving yards uh, for a career, receiving touchdown. I mean, he, he top three, excuse me, but he's setting records left and right in just like two seasons of play there. Oh yeah. That's crazy. He's a guy that has been getting a lot of looked looks by NFL teams already. So he has the ability. The question now is what is he going to do once he gets to the sec? And that's not to downplay the sec or anything like that. Cause I know sec purists hate when you say, Oh, you know, it's, we get it. Okay. It's great. fantastic. Yep. Yep. But at the same time too, you know, there's a guy that transferred in from my little old college assumption, you know, division two. And he played for South Carolina this year at nickel and he did a hell of a friggin' job. So the point being is if you're good and you have an opportunity to show yourself on the field, it can happen. I don't care what school you played at beforehand. So it doesn't um, even matter if you're a no. scholarship player or a walk on. Think no. about this. If you're a Georgia fan now, Mike, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Dan Jackson, number 47 played safety mm -hmm. first game against Clemson. Early second quarter, we see 47 out there. And, and for me, I'm sitting there like, who the hell is this? <laughs> and then I sit there and I do some research. And, and the kid was playing good, right? He's playing really good. Do some research. Damn walk on playing at safety against Clemson, man. And, and at the time, you know, obviously we didn't know what Clemson was about last year, which we'll talk a little bit about more at that. We didn't know about Clemson that much, right? We were expecting it was going to be a, a barn burner, like, you know, one of those games like that. He's a walk-on, man. Like, he played last season, special teams, defense, and played his ass off all the way up until the Natty game, right, on Ringo's pick six. Shows you that if the, the elite coaches get this. If you're good, you're going to see the field. You're just this way it is. They, they look at talent. It don't matter about stars. It don't matter about scholarships. Dan, like I said, Dan Jackson is a perfect example of that. But I also, you know, when I look at South Carolina, right, if I'm not mistaken, Josh Van comes back. Is mm -hmm. that correct? Correct. Look, if you're not familiar with Josh Van and you watch this Georgia game against South Carolina's past season, you're crazy for not knowing that name. He torched us. So keep up with that right there. You got EJ Jenkins, which is a huge receiver, huge receiver. Then you got Marshawn Lloyd bearing injury. I think he needs to be healthy to really make an impact, but he definitely has that impact capability. And then there's another guy at the receiver or running back position that Georgia fans know, Lavasia. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's going to be, for me, one person I want to keep an eye on, obviously, because he's, he's a, he was a Georgia kid. Uh, you know, obviously, Curry has him at DB. And I think a lot of that was really because of a depth issue, but neither here nor there. You know, moving back to his normal position where he played at IMG running back. So it's going to be interesting to see. And, and you know, looking at that right there, what the offense is about. You know, you lose J.J. Enigbari, I think that is. He's at the there draft. Just yep. 
Um, so you look at, you know, losing him right there, but you still have some good defense uh, key pieces here. And then you also bring in, you know, you bring in a recruiting class from this past season. Looking at on three, you know, there was a uh, Georgia commit, Donovan Westmoreland, you know, linebacker. And, you know, obviously, you know, stars or whatever. Look, kid's going to be good, right? Kid's going to be good. I think he, I think he saw, I think he sees the field a lot earlier at South Carolina, but he's going to be good. If Georgia, you have to look at this and say, if Georgia had him committed, there's a reason. So the fact that South Carolina flips him, regardless of the star position, look, that's a feather in, that's a feather in Beamer's cap, right? Just mm-hmm. saying. So I have to leave that there. You know, obviously you get your four star quarterback, uh, Braden Davis. That's going to be a good, that's going to be a good player for you post uh, Spencer Rattler, in my opinion. Yeah, and then you get some more key pieces in the defense. You know, are there any impact players that you were thinking this season could have a breakout season, whether it's freshman all the way to senior? Who are who are your guys that you're keeping an eye out for, keeping on your radar that are expected to have that kind of either breakout season or continuing upon that kind of success that they had in the previous year? What what would be some guys if if I'm a Georgia fan, who should I keep an eye out for? Well, like I said before, I mean, one of the guys that I'm very interested to see is uh, Antoine Wells Jr., you know, coming from James Madison. And I, I was throwing some of the stats out there, but I'll, I'll make sure that I get them correct here. Um, what he was able to do in his short career there in two seasons is just absolutely phenomenal. Only played 22 games, but in 22 games, uh, he's third um, all-time in, in receiving touchdowns with 21. He's ninth in receiving yards with almost 1,900. Uh, and he's ninth in career with uh, in receptions with 116. He set the JMU single season record for receiving yards, um, 15 touchdowns this past year, and then he also had 83 receptions, uh, and then over 1250, 1,250 yards receiving. So I say all that because he's a guy that has the ability to stretch the field, and I think South Carolina desperately, desperately needs that. Um, he, he's a guy that can play in the slot. He's a guy that can play on the outside. And when you you mention a guy like Josh Van that's a guy that can really compliment him. Uh, Jaheim Bell is another phenomenal player. I mean, he's a he guy had a that, really good season toward the end of the season last year came on, came out in a strong way. I'm trying to figure out the best way to compare. I mean, especially being a guy that grew up in new England as a Patriots fan. I, I think it's very, uh, uh, it's, it's crap to compare anyone to Rob Gronkowski, but you know, the point being is he has the ability to play attached to the line as a tight end. He can, um, you know, detach and be in the slot. I mean, you can even put him on the outside. I mean, he's just, he's a matchup nightmare because of how big he is and how quick he moves. Um, on top of that, I mean, obviously Austin Stogner is coming in from Oklahoma. He has a good relationship and rapport with uh, Rattler. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll wait to see what he does in this offense though. Um, but I'd also say, you know, from a running back standpoint, you know, actually it's funny. I'm actually doing an interview with uh, Marshawn Lloyd, one of our NIL interviews, um, Garnet Trust. So if you guys are interested in just hearing some of that stuff, it's free. Um, recording that today will come out later this week. You can just go to Gamecock Central on YouTube. Um, but he's come back from a, from an injury, um, you know, from that ACL from his freshman year. And mentally, I think he's back in the right place. And that's one of the things that I'm sure we'll, we'll get into. But Juju McDowell, he's going to be a sophomore this year. He is. Yeah, yeah he really broke out last season. Last oh, of the season, too. It's one of those last freshman. of the season breakouts, man. It's crazy. He's a tiny guy. He's a tiny guy. He's only going to get uh, bigger, but he's just so shifty. He's so shifty. He's smaller. So, you know, South Carolina, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, because I mean, shoot, when I when I got here, I mean, Georgia always always had 
uh, a lot of depth at the running back position. And I feel yeah. like some people look at it, it's like, oh, if you don't have one guy, you don't have enough guys. It's like, first off, football's changed so much. Um, and you'll appreciate this. I think I got it behind me. I got Herschel Walker on my on my wall because I did a uh, I emceed an event with the great George Rogers and Herschel was there, so he, he signed a helmet for me. Um, hey, I'll take I'll take that all day. I think dogs fans will appreciate that. That's, that's a, a good for us. That's you know a, that's a big boy right there, but I but I oh, say yeah. that because the days of the George Rogers, the Herschel Walkers, um, you know the Archie Griffins. I mean, you think about just some of these running backs. It's just different now. Now that's not to say that you can't have one running back that can just change the game, but I mean, think about it. You've seen it with the NFL and it's trickling down to college. It's more so uh, situational backs, right? You have a third down running back now, and this and that. So that's not a bad thing. I say oh, that no. because I say that because with Juju, he's a guy that can make plays out of the backfield from a receiving standpoint. Um, he's a guy that can run the ball. He's shifty. So Juju McDowell, he makes an impact on special teams as well. So um, those are some of the guys that come to mind for me. Um, the big question mark, the wild card, and he's been trying to figure out, and I don't know where the hell they're going to put him because they haven't specifically said yet, is the carry-on joiner and what he was able to do in that bowl game. Um, do I feel like he's a guy that can go out there and be a, an every-week quarterback? No, um, but I do feel like he's so freaking athletic that you have to find ways to get him the ball. I feel like on the field. Yeah, there's no moving him back it. and forth between the quarterback room to receiver room. I, I think that can, you know, screw up a guy's psyche a little bit. Um, but I feel like, you know, with him, I mean, he'll make an impact on special teams. At least that's what they're hoping that he'll do. They'll put him on special sure. teams, receive some kickoff returns. Um, I don't know where they're going to put him. I don't know. I mean, we had we did a uh, a Garnet Trust NIL interview with him a couple weeks ago, and he even said he's like, they don't know where they're going to put me yet. So, uh, Luke this Doty's is, this is a this is somewhat of a good problem to have, right? It is because I watched that bowl game, and Luke, so, he so the issue is North Carolina. The issue is their quarterback Luke Doty was going to be the starter next last season before he got hurt. He's coming back from that foot injury still. He had surgery in the offseason, so he's been working his tail off, but he's not going to be ready to go for the spring game. So in my mind, just thinking about foot injuries, I mean, shoot, the thing about a foot injury, everyone, for number one, heals differently. You can say about any injury, but those yeah, foot absolutely. injuries, that foot injury, you don't know what he's going to look like. Um, so you have some some talented quarterbacks that are coming in. Uh, Colton Gothier is a guy that will be a sophomore this year on the depth chart at quarterback. You need to be able to provide some depth. If Rattler is going to be the guy, who can you put behind him? Joyner might be that guy, and that's no disrespect to Doty, but it's just that you don't know what you're going to get from him because he's coming back from that injury. He wasn't able to move around last year. That's why he's having the surgery. If he can't move around, can he still be that same Luke Doty that you envisioned him to be? So uh, I would not be shocked to see Joyner in that quarterback room. Do you have some special packages for him? Wild card? You can. Um, the good thing is this, though, if you do put Joyner out there, he's at least has tape now throwing the football because, because before that Duke's Mayo Bowl, he hadn't thrown a pass in two freaking years. So yep. I don't think North Carolina <laughs> was prepared for that. And obviously, well, they, they, you could tell job. they weren't. You could tell they weren't. Watching no. that game, you could tell they were not. We didn't know. We went to practices with the open practices, and and Beamer even joked around after the game. He's like, "We did a pretty good job, huh? We had we had Joiner uh, working out with the receivers, and as soon as the media left after their 15 minutes of being able to view practice, all right, Joiner, back with the quarterback, son. So, I mean, they yep. did a great job of keeping it a secret. I mean, that's one thing that uh, that usually gets leaked out. None of us knew about it. You know, none of us knew about it. That's that's the perk of that's the perk of 15 minutes of media time, right? Like. Kirby Smart, look for if you're a Georgia fan, you understand where I'm coming with this. 
It is the most annoying thing you could ever imagine, especially if you try to cover anything Georgia, because you're always going to be wrong for the most part. You're always going to be wrong. And I think, you know, looking at that right there to your point with Joyner, I think you could honestly see him be the backup quarterback, situational plays, you know, help decoy some, right, decoy some plays. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, Rattler is athletic enough to do some crazy kind of contraption gadget, gadget play. He can make it happen, right? That's the, that's the perk of bringing in Rattler because now you could sit there. If I'm an opposing defense, now I'm going to exclude Georgia. Georgia's just on a different level. But if I'm any other team on your schedule, and I even think maybe even Clemson on this point, right, which mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about too, that game right there, like the 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 – the inconsistency of understanding what you're getting at the quarterback position and knowing that you could sit there and see Joyner play your quarterback role, it makes it entirely a different game plan for anybody, right? So, you know, having Joyner is a really good problem to have because you can put him at receiver and get him on the field, get him, get him some touches, sit there, put him at quarterback. Next thing you know, do a gadget play. That's a touchdown momentum swinging type thing in a game where it's a close game, you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. And kind of doing this right here, we're looking at some comments over here from the brigade. And it seems like my my dog fans here are giving some uh, praise to some folks. Uh, Patrick Oliver saying that Beamer is definitely making a positive impact. And you can see that. Uh, Tanil also says that uh, Van is amazing. Yeah, look, he torched a Georgia defense that, is, if you want to be honest, it was pretty much historic, if you want to say. Uh, obviously, the anomaly being the SEC championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, he torched us for a hundred plus, right? And that was with I think Zeb Nolan at your quarterback. Like that is a crazy thing. But this is a perfect segue comment that I want to start talking about, and then we'll wrap this up, my man. Mm-hmm. Clemson's vulnerable. Now you cover South Carolina. What are your thoughts on that? Because we saw they only, you know, they only lost three games, but they definitely look vulnerable from an offensive standpoint, no question about it. And I think with the offensive additions that South Carolina had, I know last year was a lot, it was not pretty. This year, I think you might see something different, especially with the recruiting class and getting Beamer's system in and things like that. What are your, what are your feelings way too early, you know, way too early kind of vibes about the Palmetto Bowl? Cause I'm telling you now, I think that's going to be a sneaky, sneaky good game. Although I think it's at Death Valley this year. Mm-hmm. Correct. I think it'll be a sneaky, sneaky game. What are your thoughts and vibes on that one? Well, I mean, like as I told you before, I mean, before we came on, because, you know, some people probably like, all right, he covers the Gamecocks. He's going to say, you know, everything's all sunshine and rainbows. I can promise you that won't be the case. I'm from Boston. Um, I have no ties to South Carolina. never went to USC. Uh, covered Clemson when I first arrived here. I covered both teams. Um, I've covered South Carolina since I arrived here in 2016 when I worked at the uh, local – TV station in town, Columbia, um, WACH Fox. But um, I, I think with Clemson, I think what you saw with them last year, it has some people thinking, all right, you know, the the sky is falling down, um, you know, Venables leaves and this and that, and, oh, you know, Clemson's done. That's certainly not the case. And I'm not saying you're saying that, but I think some people look at it and be like, all right, Clemson's falling apart. We need to see, just like we talk about consistency with with being good, um, you need to be consistently bad before you ever write a team off like Clemson, right? So, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously the conference is it the strongest? No, um, but at the same time, too, you got to be able to go out there and win games. And um, I, I think with Clemson, with South Carolina, 
I think there's still a team that um, that still has too much talent. I think they got to figure out what's going to happen with the quarterback situation. I think some people are going to write off DJ Uyunglele uh, because of how he performed last season. I think that more than anything, on his bat on his tail. I think more than anything is, and this isn't to you know take any of the blame away from him, but I think this is just something that wasn't talked enough about. Like I said, as someone that covered Clemson, covered a couple of their national titles, covered Trevor Lawrence's national title win uh, out in uh, San Francisco in the Bay that year, I think their biggest, the biggest thing that Clemson lost was not Trevor Lawrence. I think it was losing a guy like Travis Etienne because he's like that. He was. He did it all. He he's did it second, all. He's that second quarterback on the field, and Will Shipley is going to be a phenomenal. I mean, obviously, come back from an injury, he's going to be a phenomenal player for Clemson, and uh, he'll probably have a uh, an opportunity to go play at the next level. But Travis Etienne, what he was able to bring, he was able to pick up a lot of things because it, what blows my mind is you see, you see what you know. Um, Uyunglele was able to do in the two games when Trevor Lawrence had to miss games because of COVID during that season. And what did he do? He was the ACC freshman of the week, back to back weeks, um, throwing for over 300 yards, throwing for over 400 yards. I know they lost to Notre Dame, but I mean, he put on an absolute freaking clinic. He he was able to do some amazing things as a freshman. It was only so, in overtime too. So. Yeah. So I so I say all that because he's capable of doing it. What's the difference between that year? And last year, there was no Travis Etienne. So there's going to be people that will instantly write off uh, DJ. I feel like he's going to bounce back this year. Now, does that mean he's going to be the guy that a lot of people envision him to be, to carry that torch? You think of the Deshaun Watsons of the world. Uh, you think about Trevor Lawrence. You just think about what they've been able to produce from a quarterback standpoint over the last couple of seasons. That's not to say that. But I'm interested to see how he responds this season. And if he's not the guy, like you mentioned, they have a tremendous freshman coming in there. Uh, but big picture, look, I, I still think – I think the gap is closing with South Carolina and um, in Clemson. I just don't know if South Carolina is there quite yet. And maybe I feel differently once the season gets rolling and we're able to see what a guy like, you know, Spencer Rattler and more importantly, just the offense as a whole looks like. Um, And then from a defensive standpoint, Clayton White, the defensive coordinator for USC, did a tremendous job of being able to get this team back in a position where they need to be. You mentioned it before. And Mbare, one of the top players in the draft this year from a defensive standpoint, he's not going to be there next season. And even though sometimes statistically you look at, oh, he didn't have this. He took on, you know, my, my college coach would call it, you know, sometimes you got to be the traffic cone out there. You know, you take on two guys uh, and it frees up one of your teammates. You know, Belichick says it all the time, you know, do your 111. So I know I'm kind of getting all over the place, but the point being is with 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 South Carolina, um, I, I think what they need to be able to do is show that consistency from a defensive standpoint. You made progress last year. Be better this year and continue to take those steps forward. And then once you get to that middle part of the year, let's see where you are. Let's see where Clemson is. And I'm not even talking about from a wins-loss standpoint. I just want to be able to see how truly how, how much that gap is truly closing. But right now, I still I, – I, I still – I still give Clemson that edge, and it's not just even by a touchdown. I have to say even two touchdowns, uh, but we'll see what Clemson looks like by the time we get to, oh, I don't know, middle of October, heading into November. Oh, no doubt about that. You know, I, I think I think we haven't mentioned these guys yet, <clears throat> but you're going to need these guys to have breakout seasons to sustain this level of success that I'm about to say. I feel like South Carolina can be an 8-4 team, mm-hmm. but I need two players, in my opinion, to step the hell up in a big way. 
Spencer Rattler on the offense needs to take command of that offense immediately and execute. And on defense, Jordan Birch has got to be that guy. Jo- mm-hmm. Jordan Birch, it's time for him to step up. It's time to him to be that five star that y'all got out of uh, obviously out of that 2020 class. He has to make a leaps and bounds from what it was been. I know you had Enigbari. I think Zach Pickens is still there. Correct. So that's another name that's going to help this right here. Because if you had both of those guys and they have breakout seasons, there's no reason to tell me that that South Carolina can't go eight and four in the regular season. That's just my thoughts on it, you know. And and that's what I'll I'll put a prediction on it, right? I think Georgia State's a win. Arkansas, I think, is a loss. Arkansas is one of the most underrated slept on teams in the whole country, and people don't give Sam Pittman enough credit. Uh, and that's going to be a tough game, but you're playing in Arkansas. I think it's a good game, but it's a, it's one of those games. It's just Arkansas is really good. You know, then you play Georgia. Georgia's on a different level until proven until proven otherwise. So I'm not, but then you go to you know then you play Charlotte, South Carolina State. Look, South Carolina State is a really good team out of Orangeburg. I, I just think that the talent level is still a little bit there. I think it could be a trick. It could be a trap game, but mm-hmm. I do think that South Carolina wins that game. You know, so that's what one you know, three wins right there. I think y'all beat Kentucky. Honestly, I I just I think y'all get it done at in in Kentucky. I think that's one of the games right there. Those surprise victories, right? I think that's a surprise victory for y'all this season. You know, looking at A and M, you A and M comes to Willie B, but A and M, A and M. You know, if they get their quarterback situation figured out, I think that game's a loss. But it can go. It can be a toss up. Uh, if they can't get the quarterback situation. But talent-wise, I think they're right up there with Alabama and, and um, Ole Miss. So I, for the sake of it, I give it an L, but I think it'll be a good game. I think you beat Missouri handily. You beat Vanderbilt handily. I think you beat Florida and Tennessee. Tennessee, the question mark, because let's be honest, if if they can get their defense to stay somewhat in shape, because that offense is super high, like it's just high power. Mm-hmm. If y'all can sit there and, and sustain drives and score and keep that offense off the field, there's no there's no reason to say that y'all can't win. So I've got y'all winning eight and four. I think you know with the Palmetto Bowl, it's going to be a really good game. I just think that playing at Clemson and Clemson being where they are, I just think there's still that gap that needs to be closed. But I do think I do agree with you that the gap can close some this year. I do think so. Yeah, and look, and 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 I think I I just. I just feel like with this South Carolina, I don't even just say team. I would just say program as a whole. And some of it's not um, necessarily fair to Beamer, but it's just the reality of it, you know, because you're, you're part of it, right? You're part of it. Um, until they prove otherwise, you know, you're still South Carolina. And that's not to say South Carolina can't be good. I mean, we saw what they were able to do in the early 2010 period with, uh, you know, some of the amazing talent that they had, you know, the clownies of the world, the Marcus Lattimore's, Stephen Garcia's, Connor Shaw's. DJ Swearing, Jeremy, the names in the list just keeps going on and on and on. Alshon Jeffrey, but you need to be able to prove consistently. Devo. And I know it's such a BS cliche phrase to use, but that's the God's honest truth because even, even with South Carolina, what I mean, <laughs> I know it's a little bit different, but um, I mean, Georgia fans can uh, relate to this, or at least for, you know, before going, before ending the season like they did this year. Anytime South Carolina just sniffed hope, sniffed hope, their dreams would just come crap. That's what it is. Anytime hope is there, they just get knocked right off, knocked right off. So going into that Clemson game, there were a lot of people that feel like, all right, that gap between Clemson is closed. 
or closing. It's smaller. Maybe, maybe it was, but you know what? Just because it's there doesn't mean uh, you just show up and it's going to happen. You still need yep. to be able to perform. Uh, so do I think Clemson is 30 points better than South Carolina, at least at that point? No. I just think the moment was a little too big for South Carolina. And for a team that, like we mentioned, you know, the two previous seasons had six wins combined. At that point, they had six wins. Um, I, I don't know if they were ready for that moment. And, you know, this is going to be a different feeling. And, and Marcus Lattimore and I talk about it on our, our new podcast together. It's called uh, Believe in South Carolina, B-L-E-A-V on the Believe Network podcast. Um, you need to be able to handle success. You need to be able to handle people kissing your ass, telling you how great you are. This was new for South Carolina going into that. That's not saying that South Carolina had arrived or they were on the same playing field or playing um, stature of, uh, of Georgia or Alabama for, for that, for even that matter. But they were put in a position where a lot of these players, they had never felt any type of quote unquote success since the being at South Carolina. So um, you need to be able to, to handle it. And in this offseason, we talked about before, the buzz externally, internally, it's there. They haven't done anything yet, though. So you need to be able to realize, like, okay, this is going to be the expectations, the spring ball game. I mean, that's going to be incredible. Right before Easter, first time that uh, unless it's happened, you know, years and years ago. I mean, I was talking to a longtime sportscaster in um, Nashville yesterday during the women's basketball tournament who's covered the Gamecocks for many years and went to USC. He said this is the first time they're ever having a spring game at night. So the atmosphere that day is going to be incredible. Um, I don't know how many people are going to be there. It's going to be tough for a little bit the night before Easter. But, I mean, shoot, women's basketball, if they go on a Final Four run in Minnesota, that's going to be done by then. The Masters yep. the week before, that's going to be done by then. The only show in town is a baseball game against Ole Miss that afternoon. So that game's going to be tremendous. So if any Georgia people are, are coming out this way for Easter and you want to see a football game, come on by Williams Bryce. It's free to go in. Um, it's going to be a big concert earlier that day. Uh, it, it's going to be great. But I, I say all that because that's going to be their first time like feeling that energy of, okay, people are – People, people have high expectations for us now. This isn't, you know, South Carolina of last year where it's like, all right, hey, just, you know, just show some progress. No, that bar is risen, and that's a good thing. But now you have to deliver and keep taking steps forward. You don't want to go back. Go ask Will Muschamp. I mean, after what they were able to do after his second season winning that Outback Bowl championship, they took steps back, and he recruited some tremendous players. And I think that's one thing that – um I don't think Gamecock fans appreciate, and I think Georgia fans will love it even more. Um, and they shouldn't, they shouldn't, they shouldn't just overwrite the fact that, like, all right, you know, this has been the recruiting class that Georgia's been able to get the last couple of years. Muschamp is a phenomenal, phenomenal recruiter, and uh, I mean, being well, able know. to put him on staff with a guy like Kirby Smart and, and some of the other coaches there, I mean, that is a huge, huge plus that just gets that gets lost sometimes in the mix of what he's able to do. You know, obviously, I think you're right there, right? Georgia fans love some must champ, right? You know, look, we understand that, like I said earlier, beginning toward the beginning of the show, might not be the best head coach, mm -hmm. but you cannot deny that man is not an excellent recruiter and an elite play caller. And, you know, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, Gamecock fans I understand the resentment because he did recruit some really, really good teams 
and players there and just failed to capitalize anything with it. <clears throat> so that's just looking back at that right there. But at the same time, you know, look, I, I think, you know, the Gamecocks are in a, overall, I think the Gamecocks are in a good place. I think with the way that the East is right now, I think there's the prime opportunity for South Carolina to take that step up uh, a, a different tier in the East, right? You might not, you might not hit Georgia's level, which <clears throat> at this point it, it's going to be very hard for somebody to do. It could happen, but it's, it's going to be very difficult on paper right now to see that. But you're right in that area where you have, you know, you, you would probably put Tennessee, Kentucky, and South Carolina, in my opinion, in that little, that second tier where anybody can be jostling for that position, you know, preseason wise, where obviously we got to see what happens, right? Injuries, transfer portal. There's so much, so much still going on. Um, you know, but look, overall, it, from an outsider standpoint, I think South Carolina's in good hands with Beamer, for one. You know, this year I think is going to be a like a stepping stone type year because if you can get Braden Davis to, to you know, develop, which I think, like I said, Beamer can do that. I think Beamer's going to get those guys developed. But, you know, give that little, you know, give that year, right, with, with, uh, with Spencer Rattler and get him and get, you know, get a, take another step up. And then you sit there and get that development and get this culture changed completely. You know, all these things right here, all that can matter for South Carolina to be from what well, I think you'll finish like fourth or fifth in the, uh, I think fifth in the East last year, I think. There's no reason why you can't finish third or maybe fourth or maybe anywhere from second to fourth, in my opinion. Like you can take a step up. And I think, you know, we'll definitely have to see what happens because uh, there's just a lot of, unknown factors right now, right? It's way too early, but it's still something that, you know, college football fans need to understand, Mm -hmm. right? And, and, you know, as a Georgia fan, a lot of people, you know, want to overlook everybody. Really, last year I heard so many people just like, oh, yeah, like just blow everybody out. And while that did happen, look, Josh Van came out and torched us for 100-plus, right? Tennessee torched us, right? Just because you think you're perfect, you're not perfect. But at the same time, like I said, kind of transition back to overall. South Carolina's in a good place. I've got y'all winning eight games, which is another step up. I think it's I think it's very doable. Uh, it's all dependent on those factors. You know how the spring practice goes. Obviously, you know guys key key positions staying healthy. You know development things like that. Right, it's kind of the typical norm. But I think you can win eight games. I think it's doable. Um, with that being said, though, where if, if someone's interested in, in looking at your work, uh, finding you, connecting with you, where can people do that? Uh, my Twitter handle is Mike underscore UVA. So my last name, Uva, just like the college, just wasn't smart enough to get in. Uh, it's spelled the exact same way. Nice Italian boy here. So that, that's, that's, that's where you can see a lot of my, my stuff. Um, if you have any listeners that have subscribed to on three uh it's kind of the new thing right you mean you may have heard about 24 7 or rival new shiny toy yeah this is this is this is this is shan's new toy um and it is um it's been something with with where i'm working at gamecock central we moved over uh just last month it's been a lot of fun and one of the beautiful things is if you're a uh, on three subscriber 
if you know you have one school you have the ability to see the other work that's going on at other schools you know kind of take a peek over the fence if you will so uh we have a lot of great content up there um i'm actually like i said i just started a new podcast with uh, Marcus Lattimore um, and Marcus shared a lot of stuff. I mean, why he didn't think the Will Muschamp era worked out and he's, you know, got a great relationship with Will still, but he, you know, really peeled it back a little bit why he personally left South Carolina. Um, and I give him a lot of credit for manning up and saying what he, he said, because it takes a lot for a person to do that uh, as well as some good Steve Spurrier stories. So, uh, you know, it's always wrong with the uh, old ball coach, man. No. So, yeah, you know, so I'm over at Gamecock Central and, you know, we, we have a lot of fun. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, we have a lot of fun. We also give out a lot of Bojangles uh, because of my sponsorship with them. So, you know, we uh, we do not hold any grudges here uh, in the state of South Carolina. If you're a Georgia or Alabama, uh, even if you're a Clemson fan, I know Gamecock fans don't like me probably saying that, but it's just the reality. You know, I got no dog in the fight. Um, I discovered the team. So, uh, yeah. There you go. Now, I will say this, though, man, like – do yourself a favor if you're listening to this. I'm not a pimento cheese type person, but I will say this. If you've never been to Bojangles, I highly suggest you try it. We, we talked about this at the beginning of the show, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. If you're, a biscuit, if you're a biscuit person, start off with a bacon egg or get you a Cajun filet biscuit. If you, like, if you like going a little bit extra, go egg and cheese on it and get you some seasoned fries. But, you know, Bojangles are an excellent choice as well. And that sweet tea is almost always on point, though. Almost mm. always on point. Can't I don't know wrong. if you're a sweet tea guy or not, but I'm telling you right now, their sweet tea is typically on point. Just going to leave it there, at least the ones around me. I can only speak for that. With that being said, though, hey, Mike, it was a pleasure having you on, man. I'm glad we were able to sit here and kind of get a feel for the Gamecocks and, you know, kind of just overall feel and, you know, from a mile high standpoint, from a, you know, as a, as a third party fan base, you know, what to expect, right? I think it's key you know, that each team understands each other because we play you every year. So, you know, let's see, Tanil also says you're like our Mike Griffith, uh, kind of. Mike Griffith is our, <laughs> one of our insiders, but he's, he, you could tell, you could tell he's kind of unbiased as well, which I like it. I like unbiased. It, it makes things realistic and, and that's what people need to hear. With that being said, though, Mike, like I said, it was a pleasure to have you on. Go check out, hey, get the Yuva, and then tag them on Twitter. Let them know that you got it. See what you think about it. Uh, with that being said, though, as always, Brigade, it was a pleasure having you on. You were hot and heavy. Go dogs, and we'll have a good rest of your week, Mike. I know you're busy, but have a good rest of your week, my man. No, I appreciate it. And like I said, I've been trying to multitask a little bit, so I apologize that my eyes have been wandering like uh, like crazy eyes of Mr. Deeds here. But uh, no, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. And you know, like I told you before, um, I have uh, no ties to South Carolina, so it's always fun being able to just talk football, you know, with different fan bases because, I mean, shoot, moving down here in 2015 covering Ole Miss, Mississippi State, I fell in love with the SEC a long time ago. But being down here, I mean, you oh, – and I say this in the nicest way possible – SEC fans are absolutely friggin' bat, you know, batshit crazy. I don't know if I can say that on your podcast. Oh, okay, yeah, dude, trust me, uh, I said it's okay. Absolute batshit crazy, and I friggin' love it. And as someone that grew up playing college football, my dad just finished up his 38th year of coaching high school ball up in Massachusetts. I friggin' love it. So uh, I've never been out to Athens. We'd love to get out there at some point. Um, hopefully I'll be able to do it in the near future, and uh, we'd love to meet trip. some of you guys. So absolutely, absolutely. I well, obviously, Patrick is not unbiased at all. Definitely not. I know this. <laughs> um, and then Tanel wishes the Gamecocks good luck, except for against Georgia, of course. 
and go dogs. And with that being said, that is the perfect way to wrap up this podcast. Remember guys, go subscribe gamecockcenter.com If you're interested in that, if you have an on three subscription, go check it out. Looking forward to seeing week three and Willie B. Yeah. When you come out, man, let me know, you know, the Bojangles is right next to the football stadium. So we do a lot uh, on game day. So definitely want uh, to meet, like I said, I just, I, I love being able to meet different sec fans. I know Gamecock fans, I uh, don't like that when I say that, but I mean, like I said, I got no ding dog in the fight and uh, I love Gamecock fans. They've been very nice to me, but I just love talking SEC football. It doesn't matter with who. So just college football in general. There you go. All right, folks, with that being said, have a great rest of your day, whatever or morning, depending on when you're listening to this. That being said, go dog. Thanks for listening to the DGD podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and to the DGD Podcast YouTube channel where you can watch live Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the DGD Podcast and check out the website at www.dgdpodcast.com. 